0: In this episode of Boss Files... I
1: feel like a hustler, like a, hu- like a true hustler, like trying to make everything work at the same time by any means necessary.
0: Bozema St. John, who's dubbed herself a super execumon. She's Uber's chief brand officer and a big part of Uber's turnaround strategy following sexual harassment at the company, a series of lawsuits, and leadership shakeups. A former top executive at Apple, Beats, and Pepsi, she came to Uber six months ago. Why she says fixing the brand has become a personal mission.
1: There was no room to think about the building of the culture. The building of the platform was priority one. And I think it's actually a big lesson for all future tech, because our world isn't going to go backwards.
0: And why she says she can't let the women at Uber down. Plus, why she scoffs at dressing the part and argues you have to be your full self, always, inside and out. And on top of it all, she doesn't rule out a run for public office. Here's my conversation with Bozema St. John. You have had quite the career, and you're a young woman, so you've had (laughs) quite the career so far. You're a mother to a wonderful eight-year-old girl, Leo. You're a proud woman, strong roots in your native Ghana. You've just mm-hmm. returned from three weeks there. Yeah. You've gone from Beats to Apple to Uber. How do you describe yourself today?
1: Ooh, today.
0: Oh, How are you feeling like... this Tuesday morning? I know,
1: right? I feel like a hustler. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, hu- like a true hustler, like trying to make everything work at the same time by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's rarely anything that I look at that I want to do. Then I'm like, eh, I can't really get that done. You've called yourself a super execu mom. What is that? That is the flying cape. <laughs> that is the, like, you know, change in the bathroom, put the eyelashes on, you know, look over the homework, answer the, you know, the call from my CEO mom.
0: All of that. All time. of that. Yeah. And we should note you're a single mom. You've yes. lost your husband. And we, yeah. will, we will talk in depth about that in a yeah. moment. Um, You've said that if there were a soundtrack posed to your life, it would be Paul Simon, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. And hearing that... Like, I had this rush of emotions because I used to drive around to figure skating. My dad yeah. would take oh. me to figure skating in Minnesota in his Oldsmobile, <laughs> which they don't even make anymore, listening and singing this song. No
1: way. Yes, way. Really?
0: It meant so much to me. Why does it mean so much oh, to my you? my God.
1: Well, I mean, gosh, that's that's actually remarkable. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I, first of all, I just love that because music, and the reason why I love music, I feel like I've been around entertainment regardless of what job. Um, because it's such a connector, you know, it doesn't matter if you were in Minnesota or if you were in Ghana, mm. you know, that Paul Simon has connected us in a way there that nothing else could have. There you know, you well, and similarly, actually, my dad played it in the car really? on the way to school. Yeah. He would play with Paul Simon all the time. You know, I think it was the beat, mm. you know, because obviously he uses a lot of Afro beats mm. uh, in his music. And the messages are great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very celebratory mm-hmm. of African culture. And I, I think my dad also liked it because he appreciated that this white man <laughs> was utilizing sounds from Africa and making it part of popular culture. From Minnesota to Ghana <laughs> and back yeah. to New
0: York, where we are now. Right. Uh, you are what they call a unicorn in Silicon Valley. Uh, because you're one of the very, very few, unfortunately, mm. female and African-American female C-suite executives in the Valley. Yeah. It's about yeah. time. Yes. Was that part of your calculus in taking this big job at Uber?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's critical that there are more visible representations of diversity in Silicon Valley. It is Critical. So you felt sort of that
0: weight on your shoulders, that responsibility? Do you feel that now? Oh yeah. Not only to get the job, take the job, but excel at the job.
1: Oh absolutely. I've I've felt it my entire career, not just now. You know, I think there's this misnomer that it's when you get to senior leadership positions that all of a sudden there's a spotlight on you and your work. That's not true. You know, I think for a lot of women of color specifically, there's a spotlight all the time. Even in junior positions Mm -hmm. where you know, the small things that are done or the small mistakes that are made uh, are somehow spotlighted in a way that will stop your career in its tracks, you know, and that the pressure is always on to excel. And so, therefore, I, I'm actually surprised when people now comment on, wow, well, what must it feel like to have all this pressure? And I'm like, when was there not? When was there not? When was there really? not? Really, when was there yeah. not for you? Yeah. You've also
0: said, I've never been afraid of anything. I've never taken the easy route. I don't yeah. even know what that is. <laughs> I mean, obviously taking this job at Uber at the time and, uh, that the company is in and was in six months ago when you joined was not the easy route. Right. But I'm interested in, before we dive into Uber and what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. where did this appetite for risk
1: come from? <laughs> you know, that's, that's uh, I don't know if it's an appetite. Or maybe it is. I mean, you've, just, you've uh, just maybe stumbled on something that I hadn't <laughs> thought about. Um, but I feel like I, I'm always drawn to th- things that I like to do. Uh, challenges that I feel like will make me grow. Um, yeah, because I've, I've never really shied away from complications mm-hmm. of things, whether they were, like, you know, in high school <laughs> or in my personal relationships or in work. Not scared of failure. No, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not. So when you say that part of your mission
0: at Uber is to bring some humanity to tech...
1: Mm-hmm. How should I read that? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, just that that I think there's this maybe a a misunderstood idea that tech is about, you know, taking out humanity and that we must be automated somehow. Mm. But that's not true because it is human beings who are building and writing the code. You know, it's human beings that are concepting these ideas of how we should interact. You know, it's human beings who are creating the messages you know, that are communicating to mm-hmm. you what the tech is. And so to me, it's it's really about just putting the spotlight on those people and then the connections that we make interpersonally um, rather than trying to create something new. I'm really, I'm not actually creating anything new. I'm just shifting the, the light. And, and we'll get to that in a moment because
0: you've talked about sort of wanting to bring that humanity, compassion, what you call love yeah, to Uber. So yeah. before we get there, though, your career pre-Uber. Yeah. Um, at Apple, you were the first black woman to take the stage and speak at the Apple Developers Conference. It was 2016. It was not that long ago. <laughs> and you described that as holding the weight of that door open for others, making sure you don't do anything wrong as a powerful mm-hmm. black executive yeah. so that more can follow in your, in your footsteps. Can you talk to me about that moment, what it was like being up there?
1: Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it was really terrifying. I'm not actually afraid of stages either. <laughs> I like an audience. Why did that not surprise me? (laughs) I like to put on a show. Um, But that was scary. It was scary because, like I mentioned before, you know, the the pressure has always been on to excel and do well um, because you don't want to be the example of the one who got the chance who Mm. screwed it up. Mm. Uh, And so I felt that going in, that, first of all, this was going to be something different for the audience, that um, were they going to accept messages from me?
0: just simply because you're a black woman? Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Because I know that when we look at those stages, we are expecting there to be table stakes of these respected, uh, knowledgeable, um, familiar white men that have always delivered the constant message, the newness is in the product. The thing, the complication and the thing that people you know were puzzling over is the complexity. Not in the deliverer. -er. Not in the deliverer. And Mm. so to add those two things together, first you got to get used to seeing me and then you got to get used to the message I'm telling. Both of those things I felt were really risky but I thought really important to do it um, because again we need more visible representation of diversity that is actually possible To do both of those things.
0: Because when you see it, you believe it. Yes. And you look and you say, that could be me.
1: Yes. Talk about
0: being at Beats, getting called into the room with Jimmy Iovine and and Tim Cook at Apple. And and this is, you're told, okay, Apple's acquiring Beats. (laughs) And by the way, you have a huge job. Right. What was that job?
1: Oh, well, it was literally three months after I started my job at Beats (laughs) that I was, you know, that we were acquired. And so it was backing up. It was like week two of the new job when I was called actually into that room.
0: And what'd they say? They said your job is to do what now?
1: Yeah, right. Your job, <laughs> should you accept it, <laughs> is to help us build a new version of streaming music for Apple. It wasn't even in, you know, changing what Beats Music was, because that was the platform that yeah, was they were getting was made rid of, of that. Yeah, it was, was going to yeah. sunset Beats Music and then build up something new. We didn't have a name there was a concept that was going to be built on. And the added pressure was that iTunes wasn't going anywhere. This big, you know, behemoth. Yeah. But to transform that into this new streaming platform so that you wouldn't leave behind the big business of downloaded music, but just help to change it, evolve it, so that the consumer could then appreciate what streaming music was and create the largest library of streaming services. So do you remember what you said? All right, guys. <laughs> I don't know if I can. I think at first I said, you know, like. <laughs> O.S. Yeah, exactly. Like just, That's what you said. Right. Guys. In my head. <laughs> I might have also said it out loud. That would not be a surprise to me. Uh, but then after that, I, you know, I, I just looked around the room and thought, my God, how blessed. How blessed am I? Mm. You to know, get this challenge. To, to be in this position. But I do get the yeah. sense,
0: just from speaking to you for the last, I don't know, eight minutes, <laughs> that though, uh, Bose, on a serious note, you don't really l- seem to leave yourself uh, room for a margin of error. Like mm. any room for error. You yeah. sh- is that a correct yeah.
1: read? No, that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And because I feel, again, I think over time, um, I have always felt like a leader. You know, I've always felt like I've needed to do the right thing the right way for myself and those behind me. Uh-huh. I'm the oldest of three girls, or four girls, I have three younger sisters, uh, and having, I don't know if other parents do this, maybe it's, it's cultural to my yeah. you know, Ghanaian parents, but they're always like, you know, you're the, you're the eldest. You know, no you, yeah, you have to set the tone hmm. for your sisters. You know, and so for me, it's it's it has always been that way, and so the margin for error has that's always a lot. been very that's slim. A lot. Tell me how you really feel about the word innovation, by the way.
0: <laughs> I think you're allowed to swear, by the way. Oh, am I? Oh, good,
1: ah, because okay. we'll, you know, well, that's part of like my New Year's intentions is to do better on my language. Okay, so then don't. No. Okay, well, but you know, sometimes it just slips in there. Because <laughs> the best way to express yourself, really, or at least for me, anyway, uh, innovation. Um, at times, it's about making things up, making shit up <laughs> along the way. You know, trying something, failing at it, trying it a different way. Just making it up as you go along. Like, I, I actually enjoy... And
0: if you, you said, we are innovating here
1: yes. as you've gone along your way to these different companies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or to my teams more directly, been like, just make some shit up. Just, just do it. <laughs> really? Find, figure something out. You know, let's just, let's just create something. Let's see if it works. Sometimes it does work. Yeah, a lot of times it works, actually. You know, and I feel like it's less pressure. Maybe it's psychological. It's less pressure when you're like, just make some shit up, you know, than like, let's innovate. You know, people feel like I'm allowed the space to Mm. fail if this doesn't work. Yeah. Whereas innovation feels like, ooh, this must be like the next frontier and it must work. You know, I'd rather you risk it and we fail together than go halfway to trying to make greatness. It's also how, right. It's
0: also how great things are built. Nothing yeah. great is built from going halfway. Oh, no, absolutely not. So from Apple to Uber, and you say it's a misnomer, it's not the case that you were poached from Apple. A woman who sat in that chair not long ago, Ariana Huffington, oh, speaking right. to me for the podcast, yeah. is a big reason. The yes. reason? One big reason? A big reason. That at least, you know, connected you with Uber. She thought that you should meet with, with Travis, yes. the, the founder, then CEO. Yeah. This meeting turns into an eight hour meeting crazy you have no intention of leaving no so
1: what happens (laughs) well uh so you've met ariana so you know how wonderfully persuasive she can be be, how graceful she is and she just planted a seed that's really what she did you know and i think she well she was very intentional because she knows me and knows that once a seed is planted and if i like it she would have to do nothing. And she was on the board of Uber. Yes. So she would just have to sit back and watch it mm. develop. And I think that you know, she knew that that was, was happening. I didn't know that. She knew that.
0: Well, what did he say to you? I mean, oh. what did Travis say in that meeting that made you leave this stable, yeah. big job at Apple to go yeah. there to this company in the middle of uh, a
1: hurricane? Right. Well, I saw his vulnerability. Clear. It was, it was very obvious. His uncertainty, mm-hmm. you know, about what the future looked like. Um, his need for help. And he was asking for it. Not directly. He didn't actually say, like, will you come and do this? He he never said those words. Mm. But I could feel it, Mm. you know, in the kind of questions that he was asking. And he was desperate, you know, for a solution. And I could feel that, too. And so in my natural way, uh, I was offering solutions, you know, in our conversation. That's why I went eight hours, because, you know, the first hour was just the sort of getting to know you. Yeah. Yeah. And then it became the problem-solving, and I really, I really did want to offer some thoughts and some solutions. For people who aren't as aware, here are the issues that Uber was going through at the time, mm-hmm.
0: and is still going through You know, a number of them, and you're helping yeah. lead. How do we brand this company? How do we turn this around? Yeah. Um, sexual harassment within the company. Mm-hmm. Customers alleging sexual assault by mm-hmm. some drivers. Former CEO, founder Travis uh, Kalanick is ousted. Mm-hmm. You've got this $20 million false advertising lawsuit settlement, the Delete Uber campaign. Yeah. You knew all this. Yeah. You went in anyways. And yeah. it, 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 you went in, yes, you say to help Travis, and out of this, you know, he had this vulnerability. But why else
1: did you go? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was so multi layered. You know, part of it is, yes, I was really attracted to this big challenge. You know, I think for a marketer, take everything else out. For a marketer, there's so few opportunities where you get to rebrand or create a brand. You know, I felt like I had the my one shot at Apple, you mm-hmm. know, when we created Apple Music. And I thought, ah, oh, this is it. You know, this is my big moment. Yay. You know, my, the career highlight. And then came another opportunity almost immediately, you know, to, to do it almost again, which is, take a brand that has been so damaged, because it really it didn't exist. You know, the idea and the platform existed, but the brand as mm-hmm. a lovable, what we would, you know, as a professional marketer, what you would call as like a, a real brand, did not exist. And so the opportunity to do that again was so exciting to me. Well, you but, didn't have to do
0: a t- turnaround at Apple like you oh, are right. at Uber.
1: Well, somewhat. I mean, because think about it, iTunes is a huge... Sure. I guess I mean, not as public, like a PR term. Oh, right. right? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely not. No, this had many, 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 many more challenges. Um, But aside from the marketing side of it and the professional side of it, personally, I felt the need. Hmm. You know, we've talked about representation and diversity and, you know, these issues of sexual harassment and women in the workplace. I felt it personally that I wanted to not just come and be visible uh-huh. as a woman of color in the chief seat in mm-hmm. Silicon Valley, um, but also as a contributor to culture, you know, that if we need more people mm-hmm. to sit at the table to make sure that the procedures and processes and cultural norms and all those things are working for us, then mm-hmm. we need to sit there, mm-hmm. you know, and if we, if we turn around and say we're not going to do it, then who are we expecting to do it? What do you think,
0: looking back, you've been there six months. Yeah. What, what fundamentally went wrong that Uber got to the point where it was when mm. they asked you to come on board? Oof. What was the f- crux of it? Yeah.
1: I think a lot of it was the focus on just building. Okay. You know, building at such a rate that there was no room to think about the building of the culture. Mm. The building of the platform was priority one. And I think it's actually a big... Lesson for all future tech, because our world isn't going to go backwards. Mm. You know, these days, the days of building companies sort of slowly and surely, you know, sort of the growth yeah. kind of takes decades. Like the GE model. It's different. Right, or yeah. Pepsi, you know, even Apple to some degree, mm. you know, that that doesn't exist any longer. The companies of the future are going to grow overnight like that.
0: And you are saying it sounds like companies need to pay as much attention to how they build that culture rapidly yes. as they do the platform, Correct. the brand, the product.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Because frankly, if Uber were not used by so many people, mm-hmm. I mean, com- m- most companies might not survive. This.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Because I think, you know, it's it's even we talk so much about the external perceptions. But what about the in- internal you know, people who were actually there. There's 17,000 employees of Uber.
0: Did you have misgivings and uh, about Travis's leadership Sal? I mean, he's the one who convinced you to come on board. Mm-hmm. Shortly thereafter, he gets ousted from the yeah. company. D- did you, Did you have misgivings? Did you have
1: questions before marks? going in w- about him? Yeah,
0: or when the, your first few months there, when he was still there.
1: Well, he was only there for a few gosh, weeks. I think it was a, yeah a couple of weeks okay. before. He stepped down, um, going in no, I didn 't have any misgivings about him mm-hmm. as a leader. I thought he needed a lot of help, mm-hmm. you know, and I was confident in the team around him because that had also changed. so it wasn't even just about placing the bet on him, uh-huh. but placing the bet on the entire leadership team, so Leanne Hornsey, who is on as chief h r officer or Francis Fry, who mm-hmm. came in who from Harvard, yeah. You know, though I believed all of them. Do you talk to him now? Do you talk to Travis now? Not really. No, every once in a while.
0: The former Expedia CEO Dara is now uh, Uber CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, also an immigrant. Yes. Right. Also a person of color. Yes. Diversity. How would you assess his leadership?
1: Oh, well, I think he's he's incredible. I mean, the fact that he was able to lead Expedia for such a long time uh, with such growth is incredible. I love the fact that he's an immigrant. and you know, I think personally, I have some bias <laughs> in that regard uh, that there's some fortitude about challenge and overcoming uh, that I believe that he knows innately. It's not a learned thing. Mm. It's not something that he needs to empathize with. It's something he's actually you know grown up with. And so there's a, a real need to be able to succeed even when there are obstacles placed in front of you. And for him, I think that's going to be the key in helping to turn this around.
0: In the turnaround, tell mm-hmm. me if you disagree, but I mean from the outside it is appears it's not the product that needs to turn around, it is the brand, the culture, mm-hmm. the inner workings of the company and you've said yourself right now the brand is murky. Mm-hmm. How do you believe, Bose, that the public perceives Uber today? Oh,
1: that's a really hard question. Um a number of ways. I think you've you've made the distinction about the product versus the brand, which is true. I think people perceive the brand to be great. You know, people depend on it, they like it, they want to you use it all the time. The, the product. Utility the product of it. itself. Yes. I'm pushing this button, I'm launching Uber, right. I request a car, it shows up. Fantastic. Great. Gets me to where I'm going. The brand itself is a complicated matter because unlike a traditional brand marketing job where you say, okay, well, let me figure out these partnerships Let me get a brand campaign together. Let's get some commercials on air. You know, this is, yeah. that's like some of the battle, but a lot of it is also in the culture. You know, mm-hmm. it's partnering with Leanne to understand what we're doing about the people. You know, what are we doing about diversity and inclusion? Uh, how, do, how is that going to then yeah. marry up to what we want the brand to look like and feel like so that people trust us?
0: By the way, thinking about it now, I mean, you and we didn't even talk about your time at Pepsi, but you had a big job at Pepsi, too. (laughs) The product you were selling, the Pepsi cans, and forgive me, this may sound silly, but they couldn't talk to their customers. Man. Now your drivers (laughs) can talk to your customers. I talked to my Uber driver on Saturday night about how he liked the company, how did he feel, et cetera, et cetera. So that's also a huge issue for you guys is making sure all of your drivers.
1: Yeah. Most of them yeah. are happy. I yeah. mean, that's a totally different thing to control. Oh, it's enormous. It's enormous. You know, it's interesting that you, I, I had never thought of it in this particular way and like who are the stakeholders in every job or brand I've had, brand job I've had. And they're, they have varied. You know, yeah, the can can't speak, but the bottlers can speak and if there's any issue in that because they're producing the yes, final product yes then you have a problem there yeah but you're right they, they just don't drive me around and talk uh, to me right or or three million other people every day yeah. you know and so yeah. there are real instances in which um, you know the driver becomes your brand ambassador every day in every yes. ride yes and so it's as important To make sure that the driver's needs, concerns, you know, the ways that we are communicating to them as a whole Mm -hmm. is addressed in in a way that makes them also feel important and listened to and that the company is empathetic.
0: Because not every driver, you took, there's a famous story, you took one of your drivers to Iggy Pop. Oh
1: my gosh, yes. Right.
0: That's not going to happen. Every driver. They're no. not going to end up driving you. They're not going to get that you know right. association with the brand. Right. You've said Uber deserves the reputation it has today. Mm. You've said I want change. I'm the representation of what I want to see. Well, now you're six months in. What would you point to Bose as your number one accomplishment now? Mm. What you feel like you've been able to at least move the needle yeah. on? Yeah.
1: Man. You know this is that's such a tough question for me because I'm such a. A perfectionist and my my bars for myself are so high let me think about that um,
0: or what the people around you would say yeah, would be
1: that number yeah one thing cuz you know I feel I just I just feel like I just got started you know what I mean if I feel like ooh, I still want you know there's so much I want to do um, but in the last six months again there this is you know a little bit complex for me because there's two sides to this there's one which is the job itself and you know we've done some great partnerships with you know the NFL and highlighting our driver partners you know who are big fans of NFL and put them in commercials mm-hmm. like that was literally within my first three months mm-hmm. you know 17 of those commercials by the way uh to help highlight how we're a part of the communities and the cities in which they live and drive and you know mm-hmm. drivers that just happened, like you sort of overnight oh qu- like quickly and talk about hustle that was like we got to get this done but then I, on the on the personal side, you know, with things like I joined the board of Girls Who Code, mm-hmm. you know, when um, the people team was deciding, you know, which organizations to give grants to, uh, I felt it, you know, on my heart that I wanted to personally contribute my own time uh, to advance that initiative. Or like, you know, I just became the executive sponsor of Salaam, which is our Muslim employees, um, you know, employee Mm -hmm. group, which I'm not Muslim, but I think it's important to have allies Mm -hmm. in every instance, you know, of life. And so I want, I want to contribute just personally to the health of our employees, Mm -hmm. uh, to the health of the pipeline of women who are coming into tech. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to, you know, showcase these connections to pop culture, which we already have, but shine the light on that a little bit more. Because, again, the stories are complicated. You know, it's not just about the advancements in technology, but to so the fun, too. You know, what happens to the fun? You know, you want to go to music concerts. You want to go to sports events. You want to go to your best friend's house and drink some wine. You know what I mean? And get and home, get home safely. safely. You know, so what happened to all of those things? Like, let, let's, let's add some texture to the story.
0: When, uh, w- when things started to turn at Uber for the worst was way before you came to the company, you were at mm-hmm. Apple and Susan Fowler's blog really yeah. shone a light on what was going on with sexual harassment to her and within the company. Mm-hmm. When you looked at that, but it was from the outside, of mm-hmm. course you had no idea I'm going to work there and try yeah. to turn the ship around.
1: Uh, can you talk to me about what you thought? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, of course, I, like, I think like most people I looked at it and I said, Oh my God, like this is terrible. You know, how how could this happen here? But at the same time, this may sound really terrible, but I wasn't that surprised because I don't know that surprised. I don't know that any of us or let me actually make it very personal um, that this is not, you know, having discrimination or sexual harassment in the workplace is unfortunately not foreign. You know, it's it's not like I was shocked and awed by, oh, how could this happen to this poor woman? And it sounds like you personally, I mean, can you talk about your, have you had these Me Too Of course, yes, yes, in big ways and in small ways. You know, and that for me, it has been more on the discrimination side than on the sexual harassment side. But I think all of these things are mixed in the same bag. You know, that if I'm valued Mm -hmm. as a person, you know, then, then these issues wouldn't, I wouldn't face these issues that if, if the folks at the other side of the table are looking at me as a valuable contributor, then no, of course, mm. you're not going to get sexual harassed because that is about power.
0: How have you been discriminated against?
1: Oh, in many ways. I mean, there have been many times when I've been passed up for promotions that I knew I deserved, you know, that I didn't get. And I have, you know, brought my bosses to the, taking them to the carpet. You know, I'm not shy about that at all. i call people out in a second. You say, what, this is because I'm, a black woman. No, I say. Don't you think I deserve it? Why haven't I received it?
0: Do you, do you think you were discriminated against because you're a woman? Oh, because absolutely. You're an woman? Yes. Yes. You also talk about still today. You fly between L. A. and San Francisco. You commute between yeah. home and work, going, getting in your first class seat. Yes. And
1: <laughs> girl, <laughs> I mean, I don't even. It's it's so infuriating. It's so infuriating. You know, to sit in my seat or be boarding and ask where, you know, go to put my bag up and be asked, are you sitting here? Really? It Still. happens. Oh, it happens all the time, all the time. Or are you sitting in the right seat? Wow. Yes. And in fact, here, you know, and now I've become that person that I just have my boarding. I, I have it on my phone. <laughs> so I just have it out. Well, and here then if, you I, go. if anyone even looks at me halfway crookedly, I'm like, just look. Leave me alone.
0: Following uh, <laughs> Susan Fowler writing that blog about her experience at the, at the company and what she went through, Uber quickly brought in former Attorney General Eric Holder yeah. to investigate and to draft this a big report. That mm-hmm. has not been made public, so I, I haven't read it. I can't read yeah. it. Yeah. Have, I'm interested in have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen you, parts okay. of it.
1: The parts well, are appropriate. What would you characterize? How would you characterize it? What stands out to you? Um, they, sweeping. Sweeping. You know, that it was very, very in-depth. And I appreciated it. Um, some of it was basic also, you know, basic understandings of how to behave in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I think go back to my point about the fact that the company has grown at such a rate that you've got to be really cognizant of the culture and making sure that the culture is as sophisticated, you know, as the bigness of the company grows. Was there
0: one line from it, something that struck you the most, that you said, I'm taking
1: this, mm. I'm using this as a tool to turn Um, I wouldn't say specifically. No, not one thing. Uh, I just knew that I was committed to making sure that, at least from a people standpoint, because a lot of it is centered around, you know, internal cultures and, you know, no, I'm not necessarily in charge of that in my day to day job, but I do feel the responsibility. And so to me, it was like, well, how I ingested it as a as a personal mission,
0: personal mission,
1: that how would I contribute you know, to the changes. And, and I feel like, you know, what I just said about the Muslim Employees um, yeah. Resource Group is, is one of those things that I took on personally. You know, just looks around and said, well, how, how can I be more supportive? You have been named
0: by a number of publications as the woman who can save Uber or they put a question mark,
1: can this woman save Uber? Do you embrace that? No. Okay. <laughs> I reject it. I reject it. I do. Because I don't think it's up to one person. You know, it's not up to me. I'm part of the solution for sure. I'm going to work my ass off to make sure that, that, is part, that I am mm-hmm. part of the solution. Uh, but there is a, a glorious, you know, team. And I hate that there's a disservice, mm-hmm. you know, to the larger group who are really dedicated mm-hmm. uh, to saving Uber.
0: Let's talk about the diversity numbers within Uber. Mm-hmm. 36% female.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, almost 9% black. In leadership, 22% female, 2.3% black. Um, those numbers are better than some of your you know, other tech firms yeah. in Silicon Valley. I, I take it they're not where you want them to no. be.
1: Where, where <laughs> should they be both? <laughs> they should be much higher. At le- let's at least try to get to like the population numbers. Like, could we at least do <laughs> to that? To match. Yeah, so can we at least, at match
0: least 13% African American. Correct.
1: Like, at least match the population. And then let's try to do better than that.
0: The Anita Borg Institute, which you know, which promotes diversity within tech, yeah. cut ties with Uber last year. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was before or as after before. you drew, okay. yeah. So, I mean, I would look at that as, is that, what, what was your reaction to that? And did you look at that and say, okay, this shouldn't happen. Yeah. This is something we need to turn around, yeah. for example. Yeah.
1: That, that is absolutely what I felt. I felt like it needed to be turned around. You know, uh, I personally feel like we can't let the women who are at Uber down. You know, they need support, too. Uh, I think for the issues and the challenges that have been brought upon them, um, why would we abandon them? You know, I I feel that very, I take it very personally, you know, that this is the time, this is the time to rally. You know, I've I've been so vocal on so many issues, you know, around women's empowerment that I just wish that more women would stand up and support the women at uber you wish more women more women outside everyone everyone you know there's so many critics and i appreciate that because we need to criticize in order to get change that's natural um but we also need to encourage Mm -hmm. you know i don't want women at uber flocking out of the door how is that going to no not necessarily, but I, w- I don't want you that. Don't want to, you want to prevent you know, it. I do want to prevent it. Yeah. I want women to feel encouraged. I want them to feel supported. I don't want them to walk into dinner parties yeah. and get the response from their friends and say, oh, God, why do you work there? Huh? You know, I want the response to yeah. be like, yeah, how can, I hel- how can I help you? You know, how can I make sure that, that you stay there and fix this issue that is happening? Yep. So that women feel stronger and more empowered in their job. You
0: have said one of the things that you are trying to bring to Uber the brand mm-hmm. uh, is one word, a four-letter word, love. <laughs> I was like,
1: which four-letter word are we talking about?
0: <laughs> That's hard to do. It. It's hard to get people to love brands.
1: Yeah. How do you do it? <sighs> it's so multi-layered also. You know, I think first and foremost, which I've, I've said, is about the humanity, right? I think we're less inclined... Uh, to place harsh judgment and criticism mm-hmm. when you know the people. You know, and the people, which is not just about the drivers, but also about the people who are building the product. You know, transparency into the executives. You know, who are these people? You know, they you shouldn't just be behind some wall, and then you see them when there's a problem and mm-hmm. trying to have, like, some official statement. You know, it's like, what, what is, what are, who are they? You know, it's it's easier uh, to understand and to feel for someone and then, therefore, a if larger you know, brand if, if you, you know, know something about them. You know, so I think that's part of it. It's also quite simply about taking those pieces of the product that we know are uh-huh. beloved and making them even bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, showcasing more of that, like the connections you just said about, you know, me having that moment with uh, my driver in Austin and Iggy Pop, yeah, that's like magic. That doesn't happen every day, but there are things that happen every day. This, uh, another driver in, in L.A. His name's Israel. Um, he drives very early in the morning. Like sometimes I take a flight. Like I have to leave my house at 4 a.m. I heard you take a 6:06. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, so. have done plenty of and, <laughs> and he and he uh, often he's in my he lives in my neighborhood. So he often is the one who picks me up. You know, and he's all he asked me like to check. You know, do you have your keys? Do you have your phone? Do you have your ID? You know, like. <laughs> Does look. he know you work for Uber? No, he doesn't. He really? Not really? so recently. Not so now recently. He knows. Now he knows. But before he didn't know. But he would all. You know, but those to me like. You know, can we have more of those interactions? Can people see those interactions and therefore understand that this is not again, this is not just some cold heart robotic, you know, tech. This is, these are people innovations that are. About humanity,
0: what do you need to see finally, and I want to move on to Ghana and your childhood and all this <laughs> fascinating stuff? What do you need to see Booze, to to say these two things? One, I'm staying mm-hmm. at uber i make I'm affecting change, yeah, and two, I will have succeeded when Ooh, gosh, those are
1: hard okay. Um, the first one, the you know sort of the markers mm-hmm. that encourage me to stay. Um, are not even that big, to be honest with you. You know, it's like the daily stuff. Um, you know, because there's not, they're not wins every day. They're definitely not. Yeah, we you know. All there's have a lot that. of day, right where it's like you know one step forward, two steps back. You know, you just got to keep. But it's the one step forward that keeps me inspired. You know, or the you know conversations mm-hmm. with some of you know even the people who work on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, This week we're going to have what I'm calling a brand day, uh, which is inviting people from the outside uh, that I think are interesting, that many of us probably think are interesting storytellers to to just talk about their process. How do they do it? And the entire brand team, you know, is coming and they're inviting a plus one. You know, just things that I feel like will continue to keep us inspired to do the good work. Um, and then it's all, quite frankly, it's also, I want to change that dinner party conversation. I really do. And so it's that, starting,
0: that I will have succeeded yes, when yes. someone walks into a dinner Absolutely. party and says, I work for Uber. Absolutely. And,
1: yes. Because huh. there are lots of numbers that I could use. You know, I could, the analytics of like, yeah. do we have growth? We want all that. Yes. Those you are table stakes. I mean, right. those, those, those are all great things. But it is the less um, tactical and tangible things that I need to see in order to feel like I have succeeded. That if people are positive about the product mm-hmm. and about the people, mm-hmm. then I feel better. If our employees are wearing the Uber sweatshirt mm-hmm. <laughs> to the grocery store, I feel like I would have succeeded. You know, that that would make me feel great.
0: Middletown, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Move, you know, at a young age yes. to Ghana. If you're yes. born in Middletown. Your dad was getting his Ph.D. at the time. Six yeah. months old, you moved to Ghana. Yes. Then there's a coup in Ghana, <clears throat> 1982. Yeah. And your dad is involved in politics. Yeah. What happens to your family?
1: Oof. Um, it was actually the the December 31st, 1981, was the coup d'etat. There you go. Um, and it was, my dad was a member of parliament in the Hilleliman government. Um, He was actually overseeing the region where he's from, but also the first president of Ghana, Kwame Nkrumah, is also from. Mm. And it was, you know, I think for him, this very proud, like, Pan-African moment, you know, where he's contributing. He's gone off, you know, to the U.S., received a brilliant education. He was a Fulbright scholar. Mm. A lot of his uh, contemporaries were staying in the countries that they went to, but he felt it necessary to come back and... You know, help, give back, yeah, and and make the country mm-hmm. better, uh, and then a coup d'état taken over by the military. Uh, he's thrown into political detention. My mom is pregnant. Um, I am five. Wow. You know, I have two younger sisters, and we she's don't pregnant know with if my he's third. Coming back. No, we have we don't no know. idea if he's coming back. The, you know, the prisoners are being killed every day. And, you know, my mom is seeking... I mean, we, we couldn't stay in our house anymore. My yeah. mom is when we are... I have actually very vivid memories of that time. That young. Yeah, yeah. I think because, you know, it's traumatic. And uh, so I have very vivid memories. I There was this moment I remember where um, my mom was getting myself and the, my sister, who's uh, closest in age to me. She's 15 months younger than I am. And uh, she was getting us dressed, Hurry, you know, in a hurry. And it was dark. And we're putting on these... You know, velour dresses that, you know, for me, I was just like, nah, I want to stay yeah. in my PJs, you know, and these like the hard, uh, like, you Stockings. know, stock with the ruffle, yeah. you know, that's Socks, scratchy. Yes. And the, the, you know, shiny hard shoes. Um, it was so funny, actually. I just recently asked her why, why you know, yeah, why, why? because we were trying to escape. And she was just like, I refuse to let my children look impoverished. She was like, even if we're fleeing, I wanted to make sure that you felt pride. Uh, it's making you emotional. Pride. Because you think about that as, as parents, that you don't want um, your children to ever, ever feel less than. Ever. And she didn't know if we were going to come back. And so for her, she was like, you're going to look great. Just everybody get together, you know. And she us up. And uh, we had this huge aca- aquarium in the living room. Uh, and this fish that I loved, I don't know why I remember these things, you know, this fish that I loved, that I remember like looking at it, being like, can we take the fish? You know, and yeah. she's like, let's go! <laughs> you oh. know? And holding my little sister's hand. Like those, th- there are moments like that yeah. that I remember very acutely. Our
0: listeners can't see what I can see, and it's tears in your eyes. Yeah. And it all just sort of came full c- circle for me mm. in that. You know, this striving for perfection for you is personal, yes, but also for all your
1: parents gave you. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, their sacrifice has been extraordinary. You moved to Colorado Springs. Yes. 12 years old. Yeah. Needless to say, you
0: stand out. (laughs) Just a little. Colorado Springs, as you have said many times. Yeah. And then you go on to college, and this is at the time of the L.A. riots yes. and the Rodney King beating. Yes. And it had a profound effect on you mm. when it comes to race relations in America. Yeah, Can you talk about that time?
1: Ooh, yeah. It was such a—it was a really difficult time for me, um, again, having, yes, come from Colorado Springs where— you know, my parents worked really hard to make sure that we had a lot of pride in our culture, in ourselves. There was no shame in being different. You know, they, were, they refused. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was, there was just a lot of pride in, like, you know, just standing and being tall about it, you know, and being unapologetically black. And so for me
0: I love that. Yes,
1: unapologetic like at all. Melody Hobson,
0: uh, Ariel Investment, who we've also had on the podcast and who's just a brilliant woman, talks about that so publicly too, being unapologetically female and unapologetically black.
1: Yes, yes. That there is no shame in that. You know, that there's no need to hide or mute down or make other people feel comfortable with your blackness. Mm. You know? And so I get to college which went to Westland, you know, sort of returning to the roots, which is super liberal arts, right? Everybody's like holding hands and singing (laughs) Kumbaya and, you know, reading poetry on Foss Hill. And um, the L.A. riots, you know, are happening. And there is such discord about race and, you know, culture and uh, respectability and anger, you know, about being appreciated mm. for who you are and the discrimination of being policed in a way that is unfair. Interestingly enough, around the same time on at, in Middletown, um, four uh, male black students were arrested mm. in town, profiled and arrested simply for walking mm. around town. And so all of these things came together at a moment where, you know, I'm, Coming into my own, Mm -hmm. you know, just left home, coming into my own, um, really secure in who I am and feeling like I could conquer and do anything. And then, you know, you're hit in the face with what is possibly not the truth, you know, that maybe there is a different perception out there. Mm -hmm. Maybe no one or other people won't appreciate me Mm -hmm. outside of being black.
0: Is it true that you went to one of your college professors and you asked that professor to teach a class on Tupac? Yeah. And they said in response, "No, <laughs> but." Right.
1: I thank God it wasn't just a no.
0: It was not. There was was a door wide open for you. There's
1: always a door. There is. Even in the no, there is always a door. (laughs) I have never, ever, ever forgotten that. And it probably is part of this hustle mentality that I have, you know, which is that, like, there is always an opening, Mm. even when somebody says no. You know, there is, like, that little side that's like, okay, 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 let me just try it this way, you know? And for me, the but became, all right, well, you know what? If I write... The syllabus. If I I do the work, if I do the research, yes, me, if I do it, and present it to you, would you teach it? And it was like, no, but, and I'm like, okay, so, (laughs) I write the syllabus, I do the research, (laughs) I teach it, (laughs) but you sit in on it and make sure it's up to code. "Mm, I don't know if I have all the time. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) What (laughs) if I write the syllabus, I do the research, I teach the class, and you come, like, at the final, (laughs) and I got the yes.
0: And you got the yes. You actually taught a class on Tupac.
1: Yes. For three semesters. In college. Three semesters. How professor. With a waiting list. Thank you very much.
0: I'm not surprised. (laughs) I would want you to be my teacher, uh, too, in a class about Tupac. (laughs) Switching gears to Peter. Yes. Your husband. Yeah. The love of your life. Married for a decade. Mm -hmm. You lost him to cancer. Yeah, he had what you've been very open about mm. on social media, talking about a profound impact on your life. Oh, yeah. obviously the father of your your daughter. Yeah, tell me about him. Oh.
1: Well, he was big guy, <laughs> big in personality and in stature. Mm. You know, six four, and he would say a half. <laughs> uh, you know, from an Italian Catholic background. Um, really boisterous. There wasn't, he, didn't, he never met a stranger in his life, you know? We'd make friends with everyone. I took him to Ghana once yeah. and I swear it was like the most panicked I've ever been. It felt like you know, because he would just wander off. You know, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> Are you over, like, come, come over here. Like, I, I don't want you lost. You know, <laughs> like, like I felt like I had to protect him. Um, but adventurous and loving, you know? All of, all of those things a good dad a few weeks ago you posted it was he died in December yeah
0: and on that day you you know you posted these text messages between the two of you and I was in the cab going home and just Mm. you know brought a lot you know I just certainly touched me Mm. one thing that he asked of you to make him a promise when when you knew he was dying from cancer you both knew yeah what was that promise about <laughs> keeping going? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, he, he made me promise two things. He also had a very wicked sense of humor.
0: <laughs> That's why I fell in love with my husband. Right.
1: Humor. I mean, the humor. Um, so the first promise, I'm not Catholic, uh, but I am spiritual mm-hmm. and I believe in God. And um, he, <laughs> he said that I needed to make sure that Liel was raised Catholic. Okay. Um, at least up, up until the point where she could make the decision for herself. Uh, and I was just like, Oh my god, really? But so you did you know? And he you know what this man said to me? He said if I didn't do it, he would haunt me. <laughs> really? How I've never evil. heard that How or read cool that. Of him. You know what I mean? Oh, he literally he said that. And he said it with like a straight face. <laughs> and he knew that, that was gonna get me because <laughs> I'm afraid of any kind of ghost or any kind of you know what I mean? Like I don't I don't know Peter. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was like, I will. Haunt you, and I was like, that, you can't, you can't say, you can't say, that on your, like on your deathbed. That's not right. Mm. Um, but it's part of why I loved him so much. Uh-huh. Um, but on on the on the other side, uh, he made me promise that I would keep going. You know, he was like, don't don't let this stop you. Mm. You know, don't let this make you afraid. You know, he was like, just keep going, like faster, do it more, do it bigger. So he's in everything you do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: And for your daughter, for Leia, yeah. Um I think all of us working parents think about this a lot. There's this constant guilt of not being there for every moment. And, yeah. But but you seem to have both somehow come to peace with it, and yeah. you, you tell this story of bringing her to school on the first day, and unlike so many of the other parents, you couldn't stay longer, Yeah. because it's a big meeting to get to, and... Yeah. You know, all these other parents are like putting the desk together and things like that. Yeah. And the reaction of your daughter was?
1: Oh, man, it was so validating. And I think this is part of what why I, I've i made peace with it is because I know she's at peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I overheard because I, I was trying quickly to, you know, doing a shoddy job of it, by the way, but trying to put the desk together. Uh, and I overheard her, she was talking to a group of her little girlfriends yeah. <laughs> in the corner, and she was like, well, my mom can't stay. You know, some, somebody was saying yeah, yeah. You know, how their mom was staying, and she was like, well, my mom can't stay. And, you know, it was like, Ugh, dagger to the heart, you know? Yeah. And then she was like, well, because, she, you know, she's going to a really important meeting, I'm just, I'm so proud of her. Uh. She's just, oh, I can't wait to hear about it later. Wow. And I was like... Yeah, that's right, girl. Yeah, let me, where's my purse? Let me, in fact, let, let me go right now. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it just, it gave me the confidence, you know? And yeah. she's just a sweet person. Mm-hmm. She really is. She's a very sweet, like, you know, like a caring human being.
0: You have yeah. talked about, and you've said, which surprised me when I heard it, that you actually both have not really had a lot of outside cheerleaders in your career. Right. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you've said, look, no one can encourage you like yourself. A lot of this confidence that exudes yeah. from you yeah. comes from yourself yes. because no one else was there? No,
1: no, I haven't. I, I know that sounds surprising. It does. Perhaps. Uh, but I just haven't. And I think part of it is that, well, the combination of things. I think lately there haven't been as many because people assume that I must have them. But even early on. But early on, I didn't have it. I just didn't have any cheerleaders. There were there were no, hmm. you know that that thing that young, you know, executives or young people do where you know you find a mentor or like a cheerleader, sure. or somebody in the company yes. who will encourage you. To, I just didn't have yes. it. Yes, you know, I it was people were always taken. You know, and I oh. I just didn't feel that I I connected to anyone in particular, and so I just I just didn't but have you it. You believed in you. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. There is, before we wrap up, this story that I really want you to share. Okay. Um, and it's about dressing the part. Mm. Dressing the part in a, a corporate America today yeah. or whatever that is. You've never ascribed to a corporate sort of uniform, if you will. <laughs> and But there was a moment when, because you've said, I don't want to look like an executive in Silicon Valley. I, I don't even really know what that looks like. But, yeah. uh, you know, there is a story you tell about someone took you aside at work at some job. Mm-hmm. And basically told you, lose the red lipstick and nails.
1: Yes. Seriously? Yes. That happened? Oh, that happened. And the thing is, I believe, it was a woman, by the way, uh-huh. I believe she had good intentions. I think she thought... Trying to help you. She was doing me a favor. Hmm. You know? Um, and I think it had more to do than just the red lipstick and the red nails. I just think she thought I was too loud and bold and rash and ugh, name all the words. And so she was trying to figure out a way... To encourage me to tone down.
0: But it ended up stripping away part of who you are. Oh, absolutely. And you talk about how it hurt you
1: in your career. Yeah.
0: Because you did this for like months.
1: Yeah, I did. Well, because I took it seriously. You know, who doesn't want to succeed? And when you have a successful woman... Telling you, hey, these are some of the keys to success. I mean, it's like you know, I almost laugh sometimes when I see these memes running around, like this Seven Habits of Successful People. You know, what I'm like, why are you paying attention to that? Like, th- th- don't listen to what has made somebody else successful. I, wh- what is making you successful every day? You know, do that more. And for me, it was like that moment um, was really psychologically damaging because it made me question whether or not I could be bold. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not I could be appreciated. Because I happen to like red lipstick, and I happen to like red nail polish. (laughs) Me too. Right? And I really wanted to show up as myself every day. And she was telling me that I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And it made me question whether or not, not even just physically, but my ideas or the questions that I asked in meetings or the comments I made in meetings, whether any of that was appropriate, if I should tone all of that down. And I did. And so why'd you go back to you?
0: Why'd you go back to you? Why'd you put
1: the red lipstick back
0: on, the red nail polish back on, the earrings back on? Yeah. Well,
1: a couple of reasons. One, I felt terrible. I did not feel like myself. I was not performing well. You know, it was like I was sitting in these meetings and drift off into Mm -hmm. outer space, you know, because I wasn't engaged. Mm -hmm. Because I was trying to keep my mouth shut, (laughs) you know. And so who's engaged when you're not participating, you know? Um, but I also credit really great girlfriends, you know, the ones who tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, as like, you know, one of one of my sharpest in the in the drawer, <laughs> sharp tongued. But <laughs> You know, she don't we say? need we we need some of those. We do. She was, you know, and, and yeah, she used some some language. You know, she was like, "What well, the f- do you look like that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you who look are terrible." You? <laughs> And I was like, do I, oh my God, really? Uh, she was like, yeah, look what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, this person that I really showed me that and she was just like, oh, don't do
0: that. It's <laughs> terrible. So you know? now you are back to you. I can yes. attest to this, even if people can't see you on the podcast. <laughs> um, but in negotiating, this yes. is this is just a great tip as we as we wrap up. You have said in negotiating a contract, whatever it is, yeah. give the number first. Yes.
1: Why? Mm and how big should it be? <laughs> right. Well, I always say give the number for well, first of all, it's worked for me. So this, this is based on my experiences. Okay. Um, and part of it is, we're finding some themes here. Part of it is that in my experience, I have been lowballed. Uh and we know now, of course. A lot. Of, I mean, a lot of people have. A lot of people have, but we know like when we look at the equity in pay, yes. I mean, this is fact. It's like you know we just celebrated it like in August that it takes that long in the year for a black woman to be mm-hmm. paid equal to her white male counterpart in the same job with the same responsibilities. Almost a eight year, eight months in, and for Latina women it's in November. Wow, it's eleven months. 11, month, in. eleven months. So I have always been lowballed, and so I just refuse then. To, I mean, it only took a few times where I was like, oh, I, I, see, I, see, what, I see what's happening here. So okay. You went, Let me do yeah. the research. Because this is not just like pick a number out of the no. sky. It's like do the research, know what the medians are. And then, of course, for negotiation purposes, make it high mm-hmm. so that you can get down to what you actually are supposed to get. Because mm-hmm. I'm not waiting for somebody to give me a number and lowball me.
0: If you know you're good,
1: yes. Make it high. Absolutely. Put it out there first. Yes.
0: I assume it worked last time around?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> Your dad was in politics, Bose. Yeah. Any chance politics are in your future?
1: Ooh, gosh, maybe. Ah! I I really really have thought about it. I really have thought about it. Because I think that we should all contribute, you know, to what is happening in our country, especially now, Mm -hmm. uh, to our greater world.
0: You've thought about what,
1: 1600
0: Pennsylvania Avenue? (laughs) Well, I don't know about that.
1: (laughs) That's a, that's a, a tough job, you know.
0: Oh, like you've never taken on any tough
1: hey, Well, jobs. that's true. is a good point. is a good point. How about I, I'll, I'll cheer on Oprah if she'll take like, the are job? What you
0: making of that? You are at the Golden Globes. You were there. You were sitting there. You were listening. Girl, oh, my God. Is she going to run for president? Man, I
1: really hope so. Oh, I hope so. It would. I would just leap for joy.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boss Files. If you're a new fan of the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. As always, you can follow me at Poppy Harlow CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together.